Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. With me, the Gabby Cabby, and football supremo, ace and a legend, Mr. Jim McCallyog. How are you, sir? I'm good, Gabby, yeah, I'm very good. I'm looking forward to tonight, and uh, I hope it's of interest uh, to all the people out there. And I had a wonderful career in football, and I still love the game. We all do. We all did. It's a love of the game that really never diminishes and never dies, although we might not like it or love it as much as what we used to because there's certain things in the game that put us off a little bit. But when we see the game played as it should do and should be played, it is like watching poetry in motion. There is no greater game on the planet than association football. Now, you started your career in Scotland in, for me, football's capital of Scotland, Glasgow, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, it all went, um, it all started from there in the, in the school team and in the boys club team and uh, and, and then um, further afield on to Glasgow schoolboys and then Scotland schoolboys and then I had quite a few clubs looking for me to go uh, to sign for them um, and I decided to go to Leeds United. Now, in those days... The Scottish football, for, for people that, that are watching Scottish football these days, you could say it's, it's in a little bit of, of a decline. Back in those days where you come through the, uh, the, the, the back streets of Glasgow, because you were from the Gorbals, wasn't you? Yeah, I was from the Gorbals, proud as well yeah. to have come from the Gorbals. Great people there. Uh, never ever hid in the fact that I was from the Gorbals. A lot of people kind of think, oh, it's not such a, a nice place. But that's up to them. As far as I was concerned, we were brought up well and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, being in the Gobbles. And that was where I got a lot of the football from. And there were certainly some great players in the Gobbles that, that could have gone on to bigger and better things. But unfortunately, um, it didn't happen for them. And Scotland produced some of the greatest players that's ever graced the planet and we're going to talk about a few of them but there was a great team that were growing up during those early 60 years that went on to conquer European football you went to Leeds as a youth player was there ever a chance that you you could have gone to that grand old team of the boys and Celtic yes uh, unfortunately I twice Celtic came after me and I had already gone to um, to Leeds first of all, and then when I came back from Leeds, uh, I went to Chelsea, and uh, Celtic were represented twice, uh, trying to get me to go to Celtic. But it's just one of them things, Gabby. Yeah. It wasn't to be, and and of course uh, I was thrilled 
uh, as Celtic won the became the first team in Europe to to win the European Cup, and uh, that that was fabulous, and especially it being all nationals and all born within 30, 35 miles of, of uh, Celtic Park. Now, the only one that, that was born a little bit out of Glasgow was, um, was it Bobby Lennox? He, he, yes. He, he was a foreigner, wasn't he? He wasn't a Glaswegian. <laughs> Bobby, was in, Bobby was an Ayrshire, and yeah. Bobby a, was a great player, first and foremost, but he's also a superb a uh, human being, and and we know me and Debbie, my wife. We we know uh, Bobby and and Catherine, Bobby's wife, very well, and and the lovely people. Now, in that '67, the the, the the year England had just won the the World Cup, on the 11th of of April in 1967, a group of young Scottish players <laughs> come to Wembley and showed England really how to play football and for some time after were undisputed champions of the world because you've beaten the European champions. Let's talk, let's start there before we go back to Leeds because, you know, that was not the first time that a Scottish team had come to Wembley. In 1928, there was another group of Wembley Wizards when it was Alex Jackson and Alex James totally destroyed England 5-1. Did did Scotland that day in 67 draw anything from the 1928 demolition of England? I don't think so, Gabby, but the the, the thrill of it all for me was that most of the players in in the team, I had seen them from from afar, and to be lining up with them... Um, to play against England, who were the, the world champions and hadn't been beaten, I think it was for 19 games, which showed you what a good team um, that England were. But the thing was, we had a lot of great players in our team. And uh, I, I think um, we, we were pretty confident, although obviously England were, were, were favourites. But I think, honestly, Gabby, I think I was one of the few Scots, um, Scotsmen, really, to um, appreciate England winning the 1966 World Cup um, final at Wembley. Because, obviously, I was plying my trade in England. And I thought, that can only be good for the game in England. And I was thrilled when they won the, the World Cup. And then to come up against them the following year on my debut, that, that was just a dream come true. How did it feel? Let, talk, talk me through the goal, because Jinky wasn't playing, he was injured. And I, I think, did Bobby Lennox play in that game? Was it Bobby Murdoch? One of the Bobbies no. was injured and didn't play, didn't they? Yeah, it was Bobby Murdoch. Bobby Murdoch didn't play. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Lennox was one of the goal scorers. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was it. Yeah, and it was a it was a one two with uh, you and was it Willie Wallace and, and and you took the ball in, tremendous, the way that you got in little one two and just dinked it over uh, Banksy. That must have given you such pleasure. It made you jump almost as high as my house. <laughs> it, it certainly does, and it it still makes me jump, but not quite as high uh, these days, Gabby. But the the thing was, what was happening really? It was coming towards the end of the game. I knew there was probably, yeah. you know, maybe five minutes left, and and Billy Bremner, who was very, um, very astute, uh, you know, 
playing the time out because Leeds United used to do this a lot. Billy took the ball down into the, the left-hand side corner and as he took it down there, I thought, there's nobody really around. So I, I just made a beeline for Billy and as Billy got the ball, he passed it to Bobby Lennox who passed it on to my good self and I was at this time just outside the 18-yard box. So I just turned to the right a little bit, played a one-two with Willie Wallace, um, was on my way to smashing it into the into the goal, and, and I was worried because Bobby Moore was um, closing down on me, and so was Gordon Banks coming out his goal. But I got there before them, and the ball was in the back of the net, and it was... Uh, it was a wonderful moment, but I felt completely in control yeah. uh, of what was going on, Gabby. And and to me, for you know, for me being so young and to be able to do that, uh, I thought that was uh, I was really pleased with myself without taking it out of context. But uh, when it hit the back of the net, oh, it, was, it was fantastic because as a kid in the gobbles, playing on the bowling greens, we were always playing England and. I was always scoring uh, for Scotland against England, and that was the dream, and the dream came true. Well, it is the oldest rivalry in football, the, the first international game, of course, 1872, but they played friendly games before that, so the rivalry goes back an awful long time. Now, there's an urban myth that before the game kicked off, the 10 minutes, 15 minutes to go be- before the whistle's blown and you're out into the tunnel and you get lined up. Slim Jim was reading the racing post. Is that true or is that fiction? No, that's fiction. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jim Jim Baxter was probably the, one of the most confident players I ever played yeah. with. Great guy. Um, no, he was certainly focused on the game, and, and so was uh, the other players in the team. And we had some great players, i.e. Dennis Law, Bobby Lennox, Billy Bremner, Tommy Gemmell, John Gregg, and then, of course, Jim Baxter. And, and um, you, you know, we had a, like I said, we had a, a lot of players that um, really wanted to do well against England. The way I see it and the way I look at both the teams... I honestly, my honest opinion that if the World Cup would have been in Scotland and played at Amden Park, I think you guys could have been the world champions because you were a match for England. You look at and you reference the names there. The great Caesar, uh, Billy McNeil, he wasn't in the team. Um, it was no. McKinnon, he, he kept him out. And, yeah. and you've got players that, that were in and around that, that, that were injured. And when you look, I mean, Dennis Law, there was no greater inside forward than Dennis Law. And Jim Baxter, let's talk briefly about Slim Jim. Why why they call him Slim Jim and, and, and how brilliant a footballer was Jim Baxter? Because in that game, he, he also played keepy up as well. How, how, how did the English players perceive that? Well, I don't think they were too happy about it because you know that's that's something really that that you know you you don't always do and things like this. But, but Jim was called Slim Jim because obviously he, he was tall and he was slim, but he was uh, he, he was quite a character. And I remember in the dressing room before the game, um, Bobby Brown, who was our manager, his style of management was that he would come and have a quiet word with you and, and, and wish you all the best. 
but for some unknown reason, about quarter of an hour before the game started, um, Bobby Brown, our manager, started to talk, and Jim Baxter had a ball in his hands, and as soon as Bobby, um, the manager, started to talk, Jim started bouncing the ball, and he says, I, great, Bobby, right, lads, let's go outside. And I was sat there, my first game, 20 years of age, and I'm thinking, what did I do here? Yeah. It was Bobby Brown trying to do a team talk, and it was Baxter taking most of the team out to the tunnel. Yeah. So I ended up going towards the tunnel with Baxter, and all we could hear in the background was Bobby Brown shouting, all the best lads, all the best <laughs> lads. And we just went out and, and we played England. But do you think that's, again, look, looking at it as, as a football fan, you're going into the Lions Den, you're literally the free Lions Den, England are the world champions. You need that little bit of confidence, exuberance, almost arrogance, if you like, to go onto their stage and take that game to them. And I, I guess... That's pretty much what Jim Baxter was doing to all you guys, especially the younger players. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and so was Dennis. Uh, I mean, the, the wonderful thing for me was on the Thursday morning before the game uh, was when we trained. And, and I could see what quality yeah. that, that Baxter had and Dennis Law and, and, and I knew Billy because Billy was at, at Leeds. Uh, and and the, the Scottish players, i.e. John Gregg, Bobby Lennox, Ronnie McKinnon, and and uh, that filled me with confidence. I thought England will have to be at their best here because I, I thought we, the, the manager had picked a really good squad and, and the team was complementing each other. Now, you referenced Leeds United and Billy Bremner and that was the first port of call for you down south. And there was also another fantastic Scots player because... You guys are called Scottish professors, wasn't you? Because you certainly had cultured feet. Because England used to play kind of rush-around game of football, but it was the Scots, really, that refined association football. And no greater exponent of that than uh, the wee barra, Bobby Collins. Yeah. Talk to me about Bobby. How brilliant was he? Well, it was great when I was 15 to go to go down to to Leeds United and and Bobby Collins was at, um, who obviously played for for Everton in England and Celtic up in Scotland and I watched Bobby play. I seen him in internationals and what have you. And for him to be there and to watch him and and see what he did and things like that, it was fantastic. He he was a lovely guy. But the thing that, that other than his ability that really impressed me was he was always a tidy man. Yeah. He was always clean and tidy. He always looked smart, and uh, he always had a, a a willing smile. And he was uh, certainly a very confident person. Um, but he was a he, he was a good player. There's no doubt in that. Now, my understanding of Wee Barra is a little fella that's got quite a lot to say for himself. Is is that is that correct? Oh yeah, I yeah. think most wee guys have, don't yeah. they? <laughs> <laughs> the big the big guys are the gentle giants because not only was Bobby Collins there, but uh, at the time I went there, John Charles come back from Italy. So we had John Charles there. John would play either centre-forward or centre. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Half and, and Bobby Collins and... You know, they they were great examples for the young players who, of course, all went on to have great careers at Leeds, i.e. Norman Hunter, uh, Billy Bremner, you can go through them all, Gary Sprague, Eddie Gray, Peter Lorimer, um, all these guys, and and I'm sure, and Jimmy Greenough as well, I'm sure, you know, they, they picked up a lot from the likes of John Charles and Bobby Collins. And I know that Revy knew that. And then Revy was a great student of the game, Don Revy. And what he did for Leeds United, uh, I think, was just short of amazing. And uh, it's such a shame, really, that they, they did put uh, they did put their foot in quite a lot. And I think if they hadn't done that, I think they would be uh, talked of more a lot of people resented that. It wasn't very nice, that. But when they had the ball, it was very difficult to get the ball back off them. Yeah, uh, Alan Hudson, uh, Palamon, and, and I do shows with Odie. He says the only reason that Revy got rid of Jimmy was because he, he wouldn't put he wouldn't leave his foot in. And you're right, Leeds did have that tag of being dirty, but Leeds also, and we have to say it as well with balance. Leeds United were one of the greatest British teams, certainly in my lifetime. Um, yeah, they definitely were. And, and and they had a young boy that come from Manchester United named Giles. He he was a decent yes. player as well, wasn't he? With yeah, Johnny well, around in them days. Well, the thing was, uh, at Leeds, you you had uh, you had Bobby Collins and Billy Brenner. Billy at first was a winger, yeah. so Billy moved into wing half. And then he was in midfield with Bobby. And then, of course, when Bobby, just before Bobby finished, John Giles came to uh, to Leeds, but he played on the right wing. But Revy decided that he, because he was so uh, good with both feet, that he would put him in the middle of the park. And, of course, that's where Johnny's career really took, took, uh, took off more. Uh, and he was a fabulous footballer, was Johnny Giles. But he was also a player that could look after himself. Solid assassin. <laughs> that, that's why he was called, wasn't he? You know? <laughs> now, now you've, you've left Leeds and you've gone from Whippets and Ats and, and up there in Yorkshire, straight down onto the King's Road to West London to Chelsea. It couldn't have been any different, could it? It's poles apart, Leeds yeah. and Chelsea. How did, how did that move go? Well, the, the thing was, Tommy Doherty tried to get me uh, before I moved to Leeds as a 15-year-old. Yeah. And, of course, when I left Leeds, 
and uh, I got a bit in the papers from a, a couple of newspaper guys that I knew. Uh, he was the first on the phone, and he, he was quick in, uh, and uh, I talked to him, and uh, everything was more or less decided. And then there was quite a few other clubs come in, but it was too late. I was going to uh, I, I was going to Chelsea. But Tommy Doherty, um, um, in my opinion, was a great manager, but he doesn't get a lot of the credit that that he deserves because he's a very funny guy. He he lives life with a smile. Um, but when we were at Chelsea with Tommy Doherty, um, we were top of the league down there, and only for a, a, a terrible incident at the club, we could have gone on to win the, the First Division Championship. And he did it again with Man United. He nearly won the, the First Division Championship with Man United. So he was certainly a, a great manager in, in the making, and he was a young manager when he got me to Chelsea. But I, I loved it at Chelsea. And I don't know if Alan can remember Alan Hudson. But when I was at Chelsea, Tommy Doherty always encouraged the players to coach. And he said to the younger players that he, 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 if anybody was interested in doing any coaching, that they could go along and do some coaching for uh, with the young players at Chelsea on a Tuesday night and a Thursday night. Yeah. But I actually coached Alan when he was 14, Alan Hudson. I don't think he knows that. I'm not sure because I never, ever mentioned it to him. But uh, you could see then that Alan was going to be a special talent and uh, he certainly had a wonderful career and uh, it just shows you you never know what's around the corner, you never know who you're with, Gabby. So, you know, that life's uh, quite amazing. And Alan was around the, the first team dressing room as well. And Alan talks fondly about them Tuesdays and Thursday nights because Alan went in at Fulham and was, he was told he was too small. And his dad took him to Chelsea because <laughs> his older brother was at Chelsea. Yeah, but, he, yeah he's, his brother was a nice lad. He was yeah. a funny lad. His brother, he played in the left wing. Yeah. But you had some great players there. It was, it was, it was a Doherty Diamond era, wasn't it? You got George yeah. Graham there, Teddy Venables. When you reference that that situation, was that at Blackpool when eight players got a little bit worse for wear? Yeah, that they, that was the trouble. Yeah. They 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 broke a curfew, yeah. and we were never the same after that. All the, unfortunately, um, that was one of the sad parts of, of my career because we were all so young, but we were all together, and uh, this, the team spirit was quite amazing. Uh, a lot of it was fostered by Tommy Doherty, but a lot of it was fostered by uh, the players uh, at Chelsea, especially Terry Venables, the captain. Terry was a smashing guy, and, and he was a guy that, that you know, would um, build up the team spirit and, and alongside the Tommy Doherty and the coach, uh, who was Dave Sexton, who had a, had a great career in management as well. Al always says he was a great coach, not so much a great manager. Sadly, Tommy left and, and, and Dave took over. But you had some... I mean, you've got a, a young Peter Osgood, Eddie McCready was there. You you had some fantastic players. And, and Chelsea, as great as Leeds were in that mid-60s to like mid-70s era... 
Chelsea were just one or two players away. Now, I'm guessing that if if we were talking now to Tommy, Tommy Marder says, do you know what? Sometimes I wish I had just turned the cheek or or took the notice of, of what went on because there was a culture at the football club. But boy, could these kids play football as well. Um, yeah, I think um, you would have to ask the the, yeah. the boss that because that was um, that uh, that was what happened. But yeah. the thing is, as well, with, with due respect to the manager, you have to have discipline as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, but I tend to agree with you a little bit, Gabby, insofar as if if the doc would have done it behind um, yeah. behind closed doors, I think it would have been better for for him and and for the team. Because we were never the same after that. And then your debut for Chelsea. I, I would ask you your favourite football ground, but I'm guessing you're going to say St Andrews. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> Twenty. What was it? Twenty first of November, nineteen sixty four. Two days before I was born, you scored your two league, your two league goals for Chelsea when you stuffed us six one. But it was the Previous the October beforehand that uh, you made your League Cup debut, didn't you, for Chelsea again against Birmingham City? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, and uh, I think I scored on that as well. I'm not hundred percent sure, but the thing the the thing was uh, uh, I was quite unfortunate because I had two delayed debuts before yeah. I actually made my debut. I was 17 and uh, I, I was taken to Sheffield with the first team and Terry Venables was ill and it looked like Terry wasn't going to make the game. But um, as it was, Terry was okay in the end, so I sat in the dugout. So I, I nearly made my debut at Sheffield Wednesday and then that happened again. We were playing Manchester United and I got a phone call on a Saturday morning that I had to get to Heathrow Airport and get up to Manchester and I'd be picked up at Manchester Airport and, and taken to Old Trafford. And when I got to Terry uh, to Old Trafford, uh, Terry was was okay and uh, I missed it again. So I, I watched the game and I watched the Dennis Law hat-trick that day, a hat-trick of headers, uh, which was quite amazing. But then I did eventually make my debut when I was 18. And uh, my league debut was, like you say, was at Birmingham. But I'd, uh, I, I, was, um, I was coming along really nicely and uh, things were, I was getting stronger and all the rest of it. And a lot of things were happening for me. And of course, we, we played Birmingham at St Andrews um, and we beat Birmingham 6-1. Uh, I got two, and big George Graham, uh, who was a great player. George got three, and uh, I can't remember who got the other one. But I remember the headlines in the papers saying, um, Chelsea as good as Busby's best. Yeah. And that that was a great start to, to my career. And then it wasn't long after that um, you'd... you'd... You'd been in to see Tommy and you put a couple of transfer requests in and he, he told you to do one and, and, and jog on the first time. But I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm guessing after... He chased me out of the dressing room. <laughs> I mean, sorry, chased me out of his office. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't very happy. He wasn't impressed. No. 
But what no. what happened? How come you you moved to Sheffield Wednesday? Was it just the fact that you you want you was in and out of the team and all you wanted to do was play football? Because there was no doubt in your ability because Sheffield Wednesday paid thirty seven thousand five hundred and made it a British transfer record for for a teenager in nineteen sixty five. Yeah, well, to, to be honest, uh, Gabby, that that kind of filled me with a lot of confidence. Yeah. I, I thought if, a, a, you know, a respected manager like Alan Brown, who was at Sheffield Wednesday, if he was paying that amount of money for me, plus Chelsea were holding out for that kind of money, I thought I, see, I can't lose here because I was obviously rated at Chelsea and then going to Sheffield Wednesday for that amount of money, um, you know, it was up to me just to go out and, and, and play football. Yeah. And uh, that's what I did. And to Alan Brown's credit at Sheffield Wednesday, Alan Brown never, ever told me how to play. He never said anything that I was doing this right, I was doing this wrong. He always let me get on and, and, and enjoy my football. And uh, he was a terrific manager probably one of the best man managers uh, that was in the game at that time. But like I said, he was very well respected and uh, it was great to repay some of that money by getting to the cup final in 66. Now, you got to the cup final and you scored, but before the cup final, you played in the semi-final against your former team now I watch the YouTube clip, and I'm I'm guessing when you play against your former team, you're absolutely elated. You wasn't, was you, when you scored that goal no, against Chelsea? No, listen, I think it was just circumstances, Gabby, because the year before I was in the the Chelsea squad, and we got Liverpool in the semi-finals at, at, um, at Villa Park. And, of course, we got beat 2-0 then as well. And I know how disappointed everybody was um, because we were a young side. And uh, when when we won, for whatever reason, I was thinking about, you know, that that was two years in a row that they'd lost at the the semi-final stage. Um, So although I was absolutely you know, elated for Sheffield Wednesday for for our fans um, and and for myself. You know, I, I I just really did genuinely feel sorry for Chelsea. Now Sheffield Wednesday and your next club Wolverhampton. We're going to stay at Sheffield for 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 a while and talk about those days and the cup final. Yeah, but them are the teams that you 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 played about 150 games each, didn't you? Or or, or probably slightly more, give and take. They they were the two teams that that largely football fans will remember you at Sheffield Wednesday and at Wolverhampton Wanderers. What was life like back up north, back in Yorkshire or South Yorkshire? Um, Stringfellow had just opened a, a club up there, so it's a little bit like the King's Road, wasn't it? Going from the clubs on the King's Road back to uh, Stringfellows. Yeah, well, the, you know, Sheffield was quite a buzzing place because yeah. Joe Cocker was playing in the the the, the local disco. Um, there was quite a lot of guys around that were big names, Dave Berry, um, people like that. There was the Human League not long after that started. Um, like you said, Peter um, Peter Stringfellow, he had a club outside of Sheffield, and then he moved into to Sheffield, 
and he called. I think he called at the penthouse or something like that. Yeah. But I, I, I would go in there and see him, and uh, it was quite unusual because his mum was always on the door taking the money. To listen to the rest of this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com forward slash srbmedia or just follow the links in the description. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.